episode 404 for January 2016. And that group's singing the Spider-Man theme is Les Scalopes. And if you want to see the full YouTube video, I put a link up on our uh, message board. Go to SpiderManCrawlspace.com, look for the message board link, and on the very top of the thread, it'll say a, a Podcast 404, What Did You Think? And you can write a review of this show and uh, also hear the YouTube clip because it's embedded in that post. Before we get to our reviews and news, I want to ask for your support. Uh, log on to our front page at SpiderManCrawlspace.com. Look for a button on the right-hand side that says Support This Site Via PayPal, and you can help us pay the bandwidth costs it takes to host 400-plus episodes up on our server for you to download 24 hours a day. All right, gang, on with the show. Spacers, welcome to our review slash news show. Let's introduce who we have on the panel. We've got JR. What's going on, JR? Christmas isn't over yet. Nope. nope. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I'm really slow, this might get released after. I don't think so. But anyway, we've got Ashley. What's going on, Ashley? Oh, I got a candy cane. You, <laughs> you're, you're, well, fe- festive uh, for the occasion? Yeah, yeah. I'm getting ready for the season. They They actually make Spider-Man candy canes. I've seen them. Huh. They do. They do. All right, George. We've got George. What's going on, sir? Oh, not much. Uh, reveling in all my Christmas, my my virtual Christmas gifts. There you go. That was a fun show. All right, we've got one iTunes review. We haven't had one since November seventeenth. So uh, log on to iTunes, type in Spider Man, look for podcasts. We're one of the first things that pops up. We have B Thompson, eighteen eighty six, posted this on December fourth and. And he gave us uh, five out of five stars. And the subject title is just awesome. He says, quote, funny and not afraid to tackle the politics of the comics. And they know their stuff. The only people that would say that the podcast is too negative are those who would only enjoy a podcast that says their poop doesn't stink. This is like the third show with poop in it. My goodness. It's a record. (laughs) How how topical considering the Christmas gifts. (laughs) Uh, Oh, here we go. We got to end it with loving Jr. I would love to hear more Spider History podcasts on the era post-Clone Saga, up to and including the first storyline of JMS's run. So he's a fan of Spider History, JR. Hell, who isn't? I know it. Thank you, <laughs> and BT. he doesn't accuse me of making shit up. <laughs> That's George's sole job. <laughs> uh, B. Thompson, that was very nice. Thank you, sir. All right, we've got one issue to review in this month's uh, stack of books. Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 4, uh, number 4, and written by Dan Slott and Giuseppe Camancoli on pencils. The story is called Waterproof. JR has got this one. Take us through this book, sir. Yeah, oh boy, the one and only. Here we go. The one and only Spider-Man this month, and it is indeed a classic. Uh, <laughs> well, let's see here. We open up with uh, the three people from Zodiac. Zodiac, probably the most boring terrorist organization on the face of the earth. Anyway, they're laying on the ground doing a really bad riff of the opening scene of the 1969 animated movie, A Boy Named Charlie Brown. And so they they see the stars, and the stars tell them that it's time to attack. Okay, and you know, considering how well they've done it the last three issues, this is this is really going to be horrible stuff, I'm sure. Oh boy. Anyway, Black Fury is organizing the Shield forces because you know this is the new Marvel, and this is more closely aligned with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So we, you know, so Nick Fury can't look like David Hasselhoff here. So anyway, so <laughs> so and uh, plus the the uh, 
this shield also includes uh, members from the uh, the TV show as well because we have to plug that goddamn thing too. All right, <laughs> and a strike team. He's putting together strike teams, and one of them is led by the Human Torch, who apparently has uh, gotten over the how poorly he was written in issue number three. Uh, yeah. Because uh, yeah. you know, I thought he was it was going to take him a long time to get over that, but uh, apparently he got over it fairly quickly. So, and then there's Mockingbird, whom Spider-Man appears way too comfortable knowing his secret identity, which apparently isn't that much of a secret since 26 people in this dimension know one of those, which of course is not Norman Osborn. Anyway. <laughs> So anyway, they're they're coordinating a big strike on Zodiac's bases because you know Zodiac is this big ass terrorist organization that has some for some reason uh, targeted Parker Industries, and you know what? <laughs> it's four issues into it, and we don't care. We don't care why they've targeted Parker. We don't know, and we, we don't, don't care. care. Uh, which pretty well sums up most of the ed- our attitude toward most of the things going on in this book. But anyway, Peter gets a call from Aunt May who is with husband Jay in the generic African nation of Nadua, or whatever, which actually appeared in old issues of Iron Man, strangely or not. Mm. So, anyway, Parker Industries, through the Uncle Ben Foundation, is providing free power to the citizens of a particular province of Nadua, apparently with the permission of the province's leader, in opposition to the wishes of his country's central government, which is really tricky and dicey politics on the part of Parker Industries. So, yeah, yeah, when the head of the central government doesn't want you in, but the head of a regional government who's opposed to the head of the central government lets you in and you just walk in. Yeah, that's yeah, you're not on dangerous ground right there, are you? No, no, not not whatsoever. Anyway, anyway, all these anyway, all these liberal do-gooders who are trying to give these people free solar power uh, come under attack by goblins. These goblins are sent by the Generalissimo in charge, who doesn't like Parker Industries invading his sovereign territory and doing something essentially Illegal within his borders. I don't know why, uh, but we know he's evil because he's a military dictator. Therefore, you know, he's got to be evil. Uh, and he's made a deal apparently with some guy in bandages who has been pointed out looks like Hush, who apparently may be Norman Osborn, but we really don't know because since Dan Slott's mysteries never really add up to anything or make sense <laughs> when you put all the pieces together, who knows who the hell this is? Anyway... <laughs> Okay, so Spider-Man abandons S.H.I.E.L.D.'s worldwide strike on Zodiac to save Aunt May and fight goblins because goblins is personal. And even though Spider-Man is the head of this multi-zillion-dollar you know, high-tech company providing high-tech solutions, uh, providing free power to people in a region in Africa who apparently, why are they going to Parker Industries to get their free electric power when you know the world's most technologically advanced nation is right there on the African continent with them, you know, like Wakanda or something like that? So, you know, <laughs> why, why do that? Uh, anyway, so anyway, despite all of his brilliance, all the brilliance at his command, it takes some cute kid who Spider-Man rescues to have the answer to defeating the goblins. So, 
Anyway, Shields Raid against the Zodiac bases looks to be a setup because it's a bunch of empty places. Spy Mockingbird tells Spider-Man that Shield will be pissed off that Spidey bailed out on them. Spidey says, I don't give a shit. Oh, wait a minute. No, Spider-Man was talking about the, the this book. He wasn't talking about what Shield thought. So anyway. Okay, anyway, the regional leader who apparently invited Parker Industries in against the wishes of his central government kicks them all out. But figures that Generalissimo will hold a grudge, and he calls someone that he was told could provide him with weapons to defeat the goblins. Well, it turns out to be Hush. Again, who we are supposed to again think it's Norman Osborn, but who knows? So Hush, he provided the goblin tech to the Generalissimo, and apparently now he is playing both sides. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Aww. It can't wait for issue five. Anyway. Ha, <laughs> <laughs> Go to the prison. Oh, epilogue. Go to the prison where the lizard is being held. And the man in the red suit, which apparently is an evil version of Alec Guinness, uh, the man in the red suit, who in a prior issue provided the rhino with either an illusion of his dead wife, a robot of his dead wife, a clone of his dead wife, a simulation of his dead wife, something or other. I don't know. Something in the dead wife thing, you know, because she was too good to be true anyway. And you knew she was going to get killed off when she first appeared anyway. So, so now the same guy, whoever he is, snaps his fingers and like images of, you know, either illusions, robots, clones, blah, 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 of the dead Billy and Martha you know, show up. And so, of course, the lizard says, well, you know what, guy in a red suit? I don't know who you are. I don't know what you represent. I don't know why you've got images of dead people showing up. But I'm willing to chuck everything out the window to do your bidding, you know, so I can hang out with these false images of dead people. So hmm. who is the guy in the red suit? I don't care. I've heard, you know, fake Mike says it's Mysterio, but, you know, fake Mike says a lot of things. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, Mephisto, th the callers. Say. Yeah, the callers say Mephisto, you know, and but, you know, I, you know, to me, that's don't they like make cookies or whatever? Mephisto, boom, you know, whatever. So anyway, yeah. uh, so some say, else, you know, yeah. maybe it's Miles Warren, you know, cloning people again. I don't know, because Dan Slott loved him so much. He used him in uh, what, what was it? Spider Island. Spider Island. Yeah. Yeah. yeah or maybe he'll team up with the queen again. So anyway. So, what did you think of issue number four? <laughs> I gave it a D plus. Uh, uh, D plus. Uh, yeah. So, oh my god! Wow. Let's go around the horn for grades. Ashley, I gave it a D plus, but Very only nice. because it was unintentionally hilarious. <laughs> George, what would your grade be? I gave it an F because I like the cover. <laughs> <laughs> I give it a D minus. I did not like it at all, and the cover was great. Okay, uh, let's go pros from Jr. first. Not a one. Nothing. Not huh? a one. I mean, you know, it's funny because usually I in the F. Well, because I I reserve my Fs for those that personally offend me for some reason. You know, like the story where like the story where Harry says, "Oh, I've gone for weeks without thinking about my son." You know, something that's just so incredibly. Stupid! That this is just forgettable. This is yeah. This is just there's just nothing. I'm not interested in anything this story has to offer. I mean, this has been four issues of of you know. <laughs> it's not even offensively bad. Like you know, Brand New Day was offensively bad. This is just yeah. this is just the amazingly boring Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, uh, any pros out of anybody else? You know, normally wings are cool. Yeah, Mockingbird looks cool. No, normally, I would say the art, but even the art's kind of phoned in this month. Um, 
Well, okay, look for something, Brad. I'm trying. I um, love the cover. I do love the cover. God damn it. Um, I I got nothing. Honestly, I really don't. I don't care what's going on in this book at all. Uh, let's do, go through cons. Biggest cons, Jr. Oh Lord. Uh, you, well, you know, again, it, just the fact that. It's boring. You know, Zodiac is boring. Who cares? I mean, this is the most boring group of villains. You know, who cares why they're after Parker Industries? In Zodiac's defense, Zodiac is very interesting and very cool when Zodiac is done correctly. But, you know, I mean, to me, Zodiac is the guy out in California who (laughs) – the serial killer who never got caught, you know? You know, what's this Zodiac thing here? What? what? You mean they show up in other titles as well? Well, yeah, they've been around since like the like the Nick Fury, you know, like back when Fury had his own uh, had you his mean own White books. Fury. Yeah, yeah, White Fury. Back when White yeah. Fury uh, was done by Steranko. Uh huh. Okay. It's like the original Scorpio. Like... The original Scorpio was uh, Fury's brother. Uh, yeah, that's right. Did they all like lay around on the grass or whatever and look at the clouds for horses and duckies and things like that? Well, yeah, <laughs> the original the original Scorpio was a little like Hydra. They were both kind of like you know like versions of James Bond Spectre. You know, one thing that hops out at me, you remember when you were a kid, you had your, all your action figures and you had your play sets and you had your your uh, your cars and your planes, etc. I remember taking my Spider-Man figures and maybe putting them in the Millennium Falcon and having Spider-Man fly around with Millennium Falcon. This this opening scene where we see Spider-Man, it's like Dan Slott is doing that. He just takes his Spider-Man figure and puts them anywhere he wants. Even if it doesn't make sense, let's just put him in a big old, big old jet going to Africa. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it doesn't make sense. You had an excuse though, Brad. You were like, uh, like what, five, six? Yeah, uh, five or six. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, was like, I thought it was like last week he did. This was last week, yeah. <laughs> but doesn't it seem? That, and, and you know, another thing that bothered me: Aunt May operating an iPad, helping with uh, disaster relief or putting up. Solar panels. Yeah, we are so and far away. And sprinting away from the bombs. Yeah, and running think? away. We are, yeah, we are so far away from where these characters are supposed to be. This, that is not the Aunt May that we grew up with. I, I love that, that last issue. Now you're sounding like Joe Quesada. Or um, not last issue, but issue two, where it took Spider-Man and Prowler to take out an entire base full of these people. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly now Phil Coulson with a couple of agents is able to take one down. Uh, Melinda May from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is able to take one down on her own. You know, and I'm like, well, what the hell? This is not even a consistent threat. This is why I say Zodiac is actually can actually be interesting when they're written well, but they're not written well here. And the Spider-Man plane has web yeah. uh, cannons, and oh yeah, they'll knock the friendly right out of your neighborhood. No, I mean, come on. Oh, and, and Spider-Man develops wings for Mockingbird, you know, and I'm like, again, because he's Tony Stark now. And he and he needs Mockingbird to help with the fight? Yeah, yeah. Again? Just, has he has he had any, has he had help in every issue with the fights? I think so. No, that, yeah. didn't he fight somebody alone last in issue three? Oh, yeah, I forgot there was a third Did issue. He? I don't remember. Yeah, I forgot there's a third issue. Oh, no, no. no, issue three was just him and the torch. Uh, uh, right. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he fought. Okay, yeah, he fought the torch alone. He didn't need backup for the torch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they forgot that they'd been friends for like 15 years or whatever, and just to start to yeah. come out swinging. I think it says so much that Ashley was just like, "Oh, right, there was an issue three. <laughs> that's where yeah. this book is huh. now. 
you know, my main beef with it, it's like, okay, yeah. um, him breaking off with the Avengers. I'm like, okay, if he, two things. If you don't care about sticking with the mission, you constantly see him, is like, oh, oh my god, you put Nick Fury on hold? Yeah, so. Oh my god, you're, you're, you're running away from the mission? How could you? Yeah, so. Then why are you even part of the Avengers if you don't care? Or, like, why are you even working with them? What's the point? Yeah. If you want to be on call, then just be on call. What's with these, you know, making these commitments you don't even intend to follow through? And then second of all, how are we as an audience supposed to respond to that? Clearly there are going to be consequences. You know, there's going to be some <clears throat> kind of fallout. Or he, yeah. he has some falling out with S.H.I.E.L.D. or with um with Nick Fury. But it's like, why should we care? Because Peter clearly doesn't care, so whatever consequences that are going to be imposed on him are going to have an effect on him. Yeah. So what's the point? I, I, I don't get it. J.R., what's some other cons that you hated? Uh... Well, like I said, this this uh, is this guy Norman or not? I mean, I, I don't know and I don't care because the whole idea of Norman having plastic surgery is stupid. The whole idea of Norman not having his goblin powers is stupid. The whole, you know, so you know, right. you know. Also, the kids solving the mystery yeah. or whatever yeah. that was annoying. <coughs> the uh, that, that, that's who he teamed up with. That's who solved the problem for him. It's the kids. I think Slot was feeling extra sassy when he wrote this because he has Spider-Man repeat some of the same snarky dialogue, like not so much. Spider-Man says not so much twice in this issue. Really? <coughs> oh, the constant flaunting authority. and it's, What is this? This is like Teenage Rebellion Spider-Man. Yeah, it's... Fuck you, Dad. This is... This is not, the book is not in a good place. No, at all. No. No, it... It's. It reminds me of Howard Mackey towards the end of his run. He when just doesn't tired. Have, where he was tired of writing two books, and he doesn't have any more Spider-Man left to write in him. He really He's doesn't. Got no books full, Brad. We, we've still got years to be subjected to this crap, dude. This is bad. Yeah, this is it really is. Bad. It is bad. Um, As somebody who was once on this podcast would would say, this is prison ass. This is prison <laughs> ass. Kevin Cushing. It's very much so. Uh, do we do we care if Billy and uh, Martha come back? Who? Exactly. Well, I mean, I mean we got the lizard's kid. Yeah, the lizard's wife and, and, and his brother or oh, his yeah. kid. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> you probably didn't read Shed, Ashley. I don't think did you? I the think that's story. the one where he ate his kid, right? Yeah, that's yeah. one where he ate his own son, and then. Uh, yeah. And he raped and they may or may not have raped someone. It's implied that he did, but then when people say, "How dare you have rape in the story?" then suddenly Marvel's like, "Well, how dare you take that we how, how dare you infer what we implied?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. <clears throat> so, anyway, oh. it's just yeah. a mess. Do do we want Martha and Billy to come back? Do we want that story it, to be This is not Martha and Billy. This is a simulacrum or them. something. Spare them. They they escaped from this hell. <laughs> I don't even think that they talk, did they? Uh, no, they didn't talk. There was just, uh, yeah, they did. They said Kurt and Dad. <coughs> oh, there you go. Who can snap their fingers and make people appear? Mysterio. Joe Quesada. Mephisto. <laughs> hey, hey. Yeah, could, Mephisto, could, yeah. Who was our last reveal? It could be Uncle Ben. Mm. That was the big reveal during Spider-Verse. That's true. Pissed me off. Uh, any other cons? Listen to the tone of our voice. That we don't even care. 
No, we the don't. The book is so bad, we just don't even care. No. It's just no. like, it's, it's like watching a train wreck that doesn't stop. It's like, you know, at first you're shocked by how horrific the train wreck is, but then when the train wreck's going for two hours, you're kind of numb to it, you know? Would, would you guys and gals agree that this is the worst slot has put out? I don't know. No, Spider-Verse was no. even worse. Yeah, Spider-Verse was some tired. And Silk. Silk's origin. I, I, I think that's even better than this stuff. I don't know. This is so far away from the Spider-Man I know that I, I just can't even recognize him. Spider-Verse was better in that it had uh, Peter Porker. What, it's like, what's worse, total, what's worse, total apathy or loathing? Mm. Yeah. yeah. I think apathy. We've gone. That's exactly. She's right, though. We we've gone literally from apathy to, or from loathing to just apathy to, to indifferent. That is true. That is true. We we're indifferent that that's so bad. I do have to that's say, too, like it's not even like a matter. It's not a matter of opinion to me. It's it's not like oh, some people like this is this is good if you enjoy it or you know if you you buy into it. It just the book can't even stay true to its own. You know, its own setup. It's so incongruous, just with how, um, oh, Peter set up to be the CEO, and he's brilliant. He's this figurehead, and he's so responsible. He's so adult, but he just never acts like it. He just doesn't take his commitments seriously. He constantly flaunts authority. Just he acts like a kid. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, well, another thing that pissed me off the 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 opening to this book where we had the uh, Gemini and Scorpio stargazing and reading Scorpio's feature and they say it's like oh this is the time to attack you know uh, your enemy will be separated from Shield and it's like oh so I know exactly what's going to happen in the next twenty pages right yep, yeah that's exactly what happened so like what what's the point yeah. That's horrible foreshadowing. Foreshadowing should be set up or build up, not just, hey, this is what's going to happen. It should be, you know, hinting at it. Or you could use it as a um, as a subversion or, you know, that's what you expect, but then that's not what happens. And it's just, no, it's, it's so lazy. Wow. Uh, evidently, there are people out there that enjoy the, the comic. I, I just did a simple Google search. Uh, if you go over to Newsarama, uh, com. They gave this book nine out of ten. Oh, good lord! God damn. Yeah. Uh, let me let me uh, pull some of the uh, quotes people, from this. People's standards are so effing low yeah. now. You know what? You know what? Flashing lights and bright colors are for all ages. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, his opening line. Uh, who who reviewed this? David Pepsi and a Pepso. P e p o s e on Newsarama. Uh, first line. I like how you Mark, just take Pepsi from that. You're such a Mountain Dew freak. You just take Pepsi from it. <laughs> That's the first thing I said. Yeah. I apologize, David. Uh, Marvel may have been putting a lot of all new, all different titles, but I don't think any have taken that directive to heart as much as Amazing Spider-Man. For the change of verse, this might not be a good thing, even if the outcry over Superior Spider-Man subsided as fans realized that this was one of the best Spider-Man stories in years. But for those who trust in Dan Slott. This has become a beautifully drawn, anything-goes kind of book that hasn't failed to impress. Uh, let's see. I think these but people who are writing these, they must be wanting jobs with Marvel. I mean, they have to be. Well, you have to... You know, we, we talked about this a little bit you know, the, uh, ago, about the, like the Gamergate thing, you know, where you have the industry that the gaming press is covering is so... It, the, it, it, there's such an incestual bond between the industry and the press covering it. 
Mm. And you have the same thing here. It's the exact same thing with comic books. The comic book press is, by and large, just just an ad machine for the product. They're, you're not really going to get an honest assessment of, of of stuff a lot of times. And it's you know it's it's just I mean it's it's an incestual bond. It's like yeah, it's like let's you know we're in bed with you. You give us access to this. It's you know that, the uh, the last pair. Paragraph of the. I'm oh, sorry. Oh no, there's, there's such a. I feel like there's such a low barrier of entry for some of these online writing jobs. That yeah, that's some, true. Some, you're just kind of getting, you're getting the that's squeakiest wheels, and then they bring in all their friends, and so you, you have this hive mind and this echo chamber that are, you know, res, result from that. There's, yeah. The last line of his review, he goes, but where some readers might see the plotting of this book as overly convenient, I like to think of it as unpredictable and open for anything. And really, isn't that what we want to see for Marvel's all-new, all-different titles? Dan Slott and Giuseppe Camicoli have put Peter in a whole new arena, one where his capabilities are limited only to his imagination. And it's not just a great place for the friendly neighborhood web-slinger, it's a great place for his fans as oh, well. Oh, fuck that. I can, I can, a big bunch of that. I can see the appeal from what we were talking about earlier, what I think Brad was saying. You know, they, they open, they're flying on a plane to Africa, and it's just these scenes that it's like you're, you know, playing with your action figures and making this up off the top of your head. I can see there is an appeal to that, except it's coming from, like, Spider-Man, like, in the past decade has become, like, a pretty mature title. Like it's delving into you know just the responsibilities, the relationships. Um, it, it's not you know it, it's not Ultimate Spider-Man on TV. It's not Web Warriors. It's just you know it's of course kid friendly, but it's not targeted towards kids. It, it's not supposed to be Adventure Time. So if you're just suddenly changing the tone like that. And then still trying to keep in like you know the relationships and the other drama that you can kind of expect from a um an older you know something marketed towards an older audience oh. it's just none of it really lines up it's just like who is this really for over from the, children uh, i've got i've got one more review this is from IGN uh i read theirs i read IGN's yeah Je- jesse uh sheerdean uh he gave this book 8.3 out of 10 he says this is a great book. The prose, Spider-Man vs. Goblin Action, takes advantage of global setting. Kevin Coley becoming more and more versatile. Uh, a con, too many villain subplots. He says, quote... Uh, too, many, too many villain subplots. There, there's really not too many villain subplots in here. There's this Goblin. That's it. There's really not. And, and, yeah. the, and the guy in there's red. There's red suit. There's plastic surgery Norman. Uh, the, quote, there's a heartwarming quality to the story here as Dan Slott <laughs> explores the positive influence Parker Industries is having on the wider world. Perhaps the nicest thing about the new status quo is that it enables Peter to not only move forward from the lingering shadow of Uncle Ben's death, but to honor his uncle's memory in a profound way. Slott plays up that dynamic, dynamic so well, it's going to hurt to see Peter's good works inevitably come crashing down under the weight of one foe or another. For all that tone of this book is joyful and optimistic. Uh, things could easily get very dark very quickly for Peter, and knowing Slot, they will. As is sometimes the case with Slot's Spider-Man, there are almost too many simultaneous plot threads at work. Slot opens the issue with a fascinating look at the new Zodiac. That was fascinating. They were looking at stars. 
But these villains are quickly overshadowed by the goblin conflict. Slot also caps off the issue with a tease of a completely unrelated conflict that may or may not be tied to any of the seeds planted in the first issue. Too much promising material certainly isn't the worst problem a comic can have, but I'd hate to see this book become as cluttered as as its predecessors have been. The Verdict, the new volume of Amazing Spider-Man, is exciting Uh. in a way the previous series sometimes struggled to achieve. The new status quo is great. Well, that's for damn sure, but this is worse than that. No doubt. It's leading a much bigger scope to Peter's world while retaining his basic appeal as a well-meaning but unlucky hero. But it's often (laughs) a slot... Yeah, what, wow. what is it he says? That let's hit the friendly out of your neighborhood. So well-meaning. Yeah. But as often as Slot's previous books became bogged down by too many simultaneous plot threads, it's worrying that this series might be moving in that direction as, as well. Uh, what do you think of these reviews? I I pointed this out, I, I think, like last show, last time or time before last, about how it's a generational thing, I think. You know, it's like, well, I, I say that, but then Ashley recognizes it as, a, as crap as well. Mm-hmm. And she's, she's speci- I mean, she's, and, 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 and these, re- you know, these reviewers, they're probably closer to her age than they are ours. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I don't know. I think a lot of these reviewers don't really have a sense of spider history. Yeah. They don't really have a sense of what made this character great to begin with, and all they know is the crap they've been served. You know, like if, if, you know, if you're yeah. if you're given you know if, if you're given shit on a shingle mm-hmm. to eat, and that's that's the first thing you get to eat, and then that's all you eat. You don't know anything different. You don't you don't know you know yeah. you don't have any reference for a goddamn Snickers bar. Right. If you go to uh, SuperiorSpiderTalk.com, they gave the book a D plus, like we did. Hmm. Uh, they called the book okay. They say, "quote Amazing Spider-Man Four might feature the most true-to-form Peter Parker tale of the new status quo." But the repetitive nature of the narrative is becoming wearisome, and the book lacks some of the tech-inspired visual appeal of its predecessor. So it seems like the longer the the sites dedicated to Spider-Man are the long-time fans. Really, uh, at least from what I'm seeing, they're not digging it. But if you go to IGN, I, well, I guess I can't I can't assume that Mr. Jesse over at IGN and and uh, Mr. Joe over at uh, Newsarama. I, I don't know how long they've been reading it, so that's not a that's not a true statement. But uh, all over the board, all over the board on that issue. But okay, on our, on our well, own uh, message board, yeah. or not message mm-hmm. board, but our own site uh, front page. Yeah, Andrew reviews you know Amazing Spider-Man. He gave it a D. He gave it a D. Yeah, and he he actually he disagreed with us on the first two issues. Yeah, you know he gave the first issue a B, the second issue an A. And I, I, we gave we were giving it F's. Of, uh, mm-hmm. We were talking F's like it was like we were making a rain F. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> and then he even gave like a uh, no, I think he gave like a C to the to issue three. But yeah, he gave this one a D too. And and God bless him, he uh, he started his review with Spidey blesses the rains down in Africa. And if, <laughs> that was awesome. If, Great if you're old enough to like remember that song from from yeah. Toto, but you know uh, yeah. that's. Yes, I, I posted the video in there, and I was like, "Yes, Bravo. thank you, Andrew." That was Bravo, yeah. Bravo. If you missed those, he posted pretty much the day of on our front page. Yeah. Uh, great, great reviewer. Okay, uh, we're tackling news. We like we said. I thought we get two Spider-Man issues a month. I guess not. I don't know. Okay. Uh, I know we get. I know we get uh, an, an issue of Secret Wars like every six months. That's true. That's true. Uh, let's see, Ashley. I think you've got this one. Um, the new 
Actually, no. Well, I guess we'll open it up to anybody. Mike was going to do this one. The new Civil War trailer came out. No Spider-Man in it, but we see the first glimpse of the Black Panther. Uh, we see Cap fighting Iron Man. And War Machine at one point. And War Machine. What's what's the reactions to the trailer gang of the movie that Spider-Man's going to be in? Ashley has hot, hot sports opinions about this. Let's hear it. Oh, um, <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> well, she did earlier when we first oh, got yeah. on. Yeah, we were talking the movies earlier. Um, and I guess like I'm kind of I have mixed feelings about this because hmm? the last Avengers was just um, it's like I I didn't dislike it, but it it fell flat. There are parts of it that I was just kind of like mm-hmm. I, I wasn't really in with the story. I don't think it was very. I think it could have been much better done as far as the pacing. And so I've kind of been worried. I know there's been some news pieces on it, too. Or, you know, I've been reading around the Internet that people are starting to see the signs of fatigue within the series. That, like, they've they kind of hit their... They found their formula. They've hit their stride. And that's just gonna what's going to keep getting pushed out. And we're not going to see some of the, you know, the uniqueness that made... Um, like, the first Iron Man so good. And the first Avengers was, you know, really exciting... Well, keep in so mind, though, we're we're about to break open into a whole new part of the Marvel Universe, starting with mm-hmm. Doctor Strange. Yeah, you know? yeah. I'm just so. I guess we're we're kind of at that point where it's. I, I guess it's all still up in the air. What happens? I think the movies that come out this year are going to decide, at least for me, the. I guess the, the future landscape for the audience reception. Just are we going to? Are we going to keep going with this? Are they going to be able to keep bringing, um, you know, new thrills and not just more of the same? Are they going to be able to, you know, keep bringing us back into the seats with more than just a big name and a title? <laughs> I thought Ant Man would be the first big stumbling point, and that thing made like what six hundred million. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Ant Man was really good. Dude. Yeah. I, I, th- for all intents and purposes, this is another Avengers movie. No, yeah, it, it's Avengers three. I, it totally I is. Think yeah, it's Avengers three, pretty much. I mean, but yeah, the looks- and as they. I can't remember. I, I think George reminded me in the um, back during the the live callers uh, episode. the The Civil War movie is going to be done by the the same team that did the second Captain America, the Winter Soldier movie, the Russo yeah. brothers, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And so that really that has that alone like kind of rekindled my excitement for it. Yeah, that looks awesome. Jer, Jer, what'd you think of the trailer? Well, I um, you know, I um. Share Ashley's concerns about uh, the Marvel Universe, the cinematic universe. I think they might be <laughs> approaching the tipping point, uh, particularly with what I thought was a thoroughly mediocre uh, Avengers movie here that came out. But mm-hmm. the Captain America movies seem to be a little bit different. They always, they seem to, you know, whereas Avengers, the second Avengers movie was just kind of an overstuffed, loud, you know, heroes, you know, fight, you know. Uh, Fighting the bad guys or whatever, all kind, a lot of noise and sound and fury and stuff. The cat movies seem to be a little bit more personal. They seem to be about something. About you know, like Winter Soldier was was definitely, I think, a, a very different. Uh, and, and really, this Civil War looks like it might actually be a different tone too. It's not just uh, you know full of a bunch of you know superheroes going at each other or whatever. That uh, with Captain America as the center. Center point. I mean, I'm I'm not making any rats ass worth of sense because it's two o'clock in the morning. No, night. no, you actually are though because think of it this way: the Captain America movies, right? Uh-huh. They are they are a lot more personal because from the first movie to the end of the second movie, you're dealing with somebody who went through something 
lost his friend, wound up in a completely different time period where almost everyone he knows is dead. So he and he never really feels like he fits into the to the modern time. He's always there's always echoes of the past making Cap reminisce about what he's lost, you know, about what he fight for and what he lost, or about what he fought for and what he lost. But also now you have Bucky come back, and Bucky is was his best friend. This is the, the one of the most important things from him from his past. And it's still around for him all of a sudden. So for him, like going into the third movie, the stakes are insanely high. This is the only touchstone he still has left. Remember, Peggy's dead now. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think that leads off the movie, doesn't it? Yeah, I I think so too. I I think yeah, I think they've already said that they're gonna. Yeah, she's opens at a funeral. Yeah. So you know, uh, so it's you know, it's extremely personal for him. You know. Yeah. So I I think that that's why they. They have a little bit, you know, more of the of that tone that Sarah was what, talking about. What do you think? Spider Man won't be introduced until the last uh, uh, three fourths of the movie. It's hard to say, mm-hmm. Parti- particularly because apparently, um, apparently, I'm assuming Aunt May is going to be in it as well. So yeah. you know, and if and the rumor, you know, that Tony Stark provides him a suit. I mean, he's he's got to be in it more than more than one scene then. Um, so I I really don't know. Maybe halfway through, I don't know. Maybe you, you like might, yeah, the halfway mark. You might see him early on. I mean, or you might see you know watching TV or something. You know, I, I who knows. I still hate the idea that Tony Stark gives him a, a suit. I I just we we probably gives him an iron. Marvel suit. Marvel has this goddamn armor fetish that they just cannot let go. Can sell you more. Oh my God! It, it, well, it's it, yeah, it's variant action figures. It's licensed action figures is exactly what it is. And you yeah. can put it on variant covers. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, also, movie news: uh, the actor Tom Holland was recently interviewed. Uh, Ashley, you got this one. He was in a little video. Yeah. So the, um, he was interviewed shortly after the big reveal of the Civil War trailer, and um, no, let me scroll to it here. Oh, yeah, he was commenting on um. What we could expect from his appearance, you know, what kind of, what kind of, not really what kind of role he'd play, but just Holland's reaction overall to being a part of Civil War and why Spider-Man being part of that would be something cool. But he says, um, he says here, one of the most interesting things about Peter Parker now is that he's the only one, the only character in the, the MCU that has a secret identity. It's true. Yeah, I didn't That's neat. even really think about that. So he's going to be, yeah. you know, harboring a very different perspective and role than what we've seen from the Avengers. So that makes me think, you yeah. know, he he could have a pretty significant role in in the Civil War movie. Maybe not. Maybe not. Um, you know, be a headline character, but he'll probably get a little more than just a cameo. Yeah. Yeah, I like the kid too. He seems like a nice kid. I'm also um, for the video. The there's a movie out right now, the In the Heart of the Sea, that's mm-hmm. got Tom Holland and Chris Hemsworth in it. So I'm probably yeah. going to be seeing that because I always like to you know check out my actors before I see them in their. There was show. a there was a nice uh, Instagram picture of Tom Holland and uh, Chris Hemsworth both giving the Spider-Man symbol to the camera <laughs> with the the web shooter. The twip. <laughs> that was a nice little picture. Uh, uh, let's see. What other news do we have? Um, 
I found, I'll do this one, I found <clears> this, <throat> I, I guess this happened back in the late 70s, and I knew nothing of this. Uh, JR, you may have heard of this before, but Spider-Man and the Kingpin inspired the modern-day ankle bracelets. And back uh, in 1977, Spider-Man, uh, the Spider-Man newspaper strip, uh, Stan Lee and John Romita Sr. had a strip going on where, the, where Spider-Man was fighting the Kingpin, and uh, the Kingpin snapped on a device, a bracelet, uh, that emitted an electronic radar, it was an electronic radar device, so the, everywhere Spider-Man went, uh, the Kingpin, Kingpin could track him. And a judge in New Mexico read that comic strip in the newspaper, and he was inspired. Uh, the Honorable Jack Love uh, thought, you know what, this would be a great way to uh, get rid of overcrowding in the jails. You could have these low-level criminals, these low-level offenders, stay at home with a little ankle bracelet around them. So the judge uh, teamed up with an amateur engineer uh, by the name of Mike uh, Goss, and together they created the National Incarceration Monitoring and Control Services. And currently there are more than 100 million Americans who use Amer- uh, ankle bracelets. And uh, the judge was inspired by a Spider-Man comic strip, uh, reading it out of the paper. Have you, JR, had you ever heard of this, or, or George, or Ashley, have you ever heard that this is the origin of the modern-day ankle bracelet? I have bracelet? not. Mm-mm. I haven't heard this particular story, but my attitude is, you know, pff, get back to me when Spider-Man inspires as much as Star Trek did. <laughs> well, ankle bracelets, you know, Brittany, not Britney Spears, uh, uh, oh, what's the other Disney star? Men. Uh, the, uh, the redhead. I, I, this would be funny if I could have said it. Um, Eric the redhead. Mermaid? No, not Ariel. Um, the redhead that was in... Uh, uh, no. Lindsay Lohan. There you go. I couldn't think of Lindsay Lohan. Oh, well, you know, if you had said the uh, the druggie or the, you know, the, the, <laughs> the coke whore or whatever, yeah, okay, I wouldn't recognize uh, uh, it then. Aye, aye, aye. All right. Anyway, I thought that was a neat little story. That's up on our front page in the last month. Uh, George, Dan Slott's fighting with fans on the Internet. Uh, Dan Slott's go. not... Well... The article that that you posted on the website was not uh, it's not slot it's it's a it's a guy writing a oh. uh, piece for Newsarama. That, I take that back. <clears throat> well, if you scroll down to the bottom, we talk about the debate that he yeah, had. With the fans. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, let's let's New, tackle newsflash. Dan Dan Slot got in a fight with fans yeah. again. Let, let's uh, let's tackle the Newsarama article. Yeah, they wrote a Newsarama. A guy named uh, what's this guy? Jim McLaughlin. I think that's his name. Jim. Uh, am I saying that right? He used to work for Wizard back in the day. Probably Jim McLaughlin um, wrote a fluffer piece, and I say that word specifically, fluffer, and not fluff. Wrote a fluffer piece. If if you know what fluffer means, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, a fluffer piece for Newsarama. Basically, the gist of it was all you comic fans. Uh, who complain about stories you don't like and, and you know, may criticize uh, comics professionals. You're just a big bunch of turds who aren't worthy to stand in these giant shadows. Uh, apparently, Dan Slott's tears cure cancer. Uh, apparently, uh, Tom Brevard is such an angel, he makes Mother Teresa look like the kingpin. Um, it, was really, it was really hard to read this, this goddamn article. What, what what was the gist of it? It was it was well I'll, well I'll read to you some of what he says about slot okay okay and and, yeah. and contrast this to what to our own experience with the man okay mm-hmm. 
Dan Slott, Marvel's Amazing Spider-Man writer, muses that I could write the, I could write a whole book on this, uh, on internet rage, on fan rage. Okay. But it gets very itchy, declining to cite specific examples. You never wanted to let that guy know he got under your skin, and you never want to show people examples of bad behavior to emulate, he says. <laughs> this is the guy that, that said, you know, go F yourself, remember, on CBR to somebody. Yeah. <clears throat> Slott is a gregarious, friendly guy who's always willing to interact with fans on Twitter and the like. It's where he's from. It's that, this is the writer saying, he's, he's just good, folksy, down-home, everyday guy, you know? <laughs> um, he goes on, uh, Slot says, but I wouldn't, uh, what, I, what I wouldn't do is, is just ring someone's bell to tell them I didn't like their work to call them an asshole, and then run away, he says. That's why, I, that's, that's why I don't get it, why I do that. Um, he talks about how if, when he was a kid, he wouldn't get online and uh, insult Stanley or John Romita or Denny O'Neill. No, he'd be he'd be too busy trying to fillet them and talking about <laughs> how evil guns are. Um, it, this, like I said, it's a fluffer piece. It's it's meant to make Slot look good. Uh, Slot is the most. I can't think of another comics. Maybe I'm sure I, I can't think of another comics professional who has a thinner skin than Dan Slot. Uh, maybe, maybe Burn. I don't know. Um, but no, no, I, I take that back. Burn has way tougher skin than Dan Slott does. I, that, that, I apologize to John Burn. Um, the piece also talks about Tom Brevert like he's some sort of effing angel. And I've seen Tom Brevert be the biggest dick online to fans. <laughs> I mean, straight up, I have seen this man be a colossal douche. Mm. You know, but the but the, the newsarama piece, I, it wasn't open to comments, and it made me wonder if they shut the comments off or if you know, after a while, because this is from like earlier in November. Yeah, there's only eight comments now. Yeah, and you know, I and and Brad, you posted some stuff, you know, where Slot got in a fight over Amazing Spider. Slot got in a fight. It must be a day ending in Y. Uh, with fans right. at CBR, of course, it's always CBR because CBR will let him abuse people uh, on there, you know, like tell them to go after themselves or whatever. Well, you know, one guy by the name of Ebony on there was he, he got in a fight, uh, not back and forth with Slot about uh, uh, Johnny Storm should have the uh, uh, should should have known that the Baxter Building was up for sale and he should have been the next heir to get it, not Peter Parker and stuff like that and. And it was a back and forth and back and forth. He eventually said, "You must be from." Carlton. It's a legitimate story question to wonder yeah. about. It is. So, and Slot's response was, "Well, you know, stop thinking and just read the book." And I'm like, "Dude, yeah. the, the minute you tell somebody to stop thinking so they can read your comic book, yeah, you know, I mean, is that you're not, a, I know? You're not writing anything worth reading. No, you're really not. Yeah. And and you know this, it's it's so funny because I read what this what this guy wrote at Newsarama. About how Slot, you know, uh, apparently saves puppies from burning buildings <laughs> and all this other crap. I remember a time on Twitter, <coughs> excuse me, when a some gal and I forgot who this was uh, said something offhanded about Superior Spider-Man, and he started going after her on Twitter and retweeting her and and like trying to get his fa- you know sick his fans on her and everything, like all of his Twitter followers. And shit, yeah. and and then like I, I I think he may have chased the some the, the same girl, or it may have been a different one on like their Tumblr, or their live journal, or something like that. Yeah, I mean this this guy, this is a man who who, who like Google's his name every every fifteen seconds, 
to make sure somebody's not, you know, daring to criticize something that he's written. I went over to uh, Comics Alliance because I like to read the monthly sales stats. They're the the people who write the hit pieces on Stan Lee, Brad. I I know, but I I like to look at their numbers. They crunch the numbers of comics sold every month. And and because I I saw how many uh, issues Spider-Man sold uh, for this recent reboot. And... um, the 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 writer was like, you know, this reboot, this second volume, or this fourth volume, isn't doing quite as well. So maybe because um, it sucks. Well, I mean, they're the reboot is losing the effect, and uh, well, that's right. It'll get rebooted by uh, probably by by number twelve. Well, here we go. I, I can I can I've got it up in front of me. I can read uh, quotes from it by now. Xavier Lancel wrote this over on ComicsBeat.com. And um, Amazing Spider-Man sold 245,000 copies for $6. Uh, Issue number two sold 111,000. It was a 54% drop. And the the commentary that the guy wrote was, quote, Well, look who's there. Point to Marvel, only a year and a half after their previous relaunch of The Amazing Spider-Man, there are still swaths of people ready to pay six bucks for the new number one featuring the most famous Marvel superhero. However, for the number one to be just under Iron Man number one numbers and less than 20% over the debut numbers of the last Spider-Man Secret Wars mini is disappointing. You'll tell me that the reason fewer people bought the book is because it cost six bucks only for its number one issue, while the previous relaunch was also six bucks, and it sold 532,000 copies to comic shops compared to this recent launch, which was 245,000. So to recapitulate, less than half the sales of the recent previous launch, barely more than the last Spider-Man mini, and less than Iron Man. We're talking Amazing Spider-Man here. Call me a turd, (laughs) but that's disappointing with a big D. In the long term, the only way Marvel could call this relaunch a success is if the series sales consistently stay over 100,000, which would be a slight improvement over an already successful ongoing title. And I'm like, man, that was kind of that was kind of that was kind of truth, and it was very blunt truth. And I'm like reading the comment section, and here comes Dan. Oh, Slott. of course, yeah. Dan Slot has found his name through Google, and he has a a rebuttal. So I'll read that just to be fair. Uh, he says, yes, I'm sure that Marvel is very disappointed that one of the, its books launched with two spots in the top ten. I'm positive their disappointment knows no bounds that it performed this way with less variance and incentives than the number one book, and less variance and incentives than its own number one from the previous year. Yes, it's astounding that Amazing Spider-Man 1 from this year didn't perform as well as the Amazing Spider-Man 1 from last year, which was the first Amazing Spider-Man in 25 years launched at the release of a new movie. It got major mainstream coverage and was the only relaunch number one in the market at the time. Color me shocked. I know that I am horribly disappointed that the drop between Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2, uh, the current f- volume, was far less than the drop between Renew Your Vows 1 and number 2. And yes, way less than Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 from the previous volume. I'm sure Marvel shares Xavier's big D disappointment in the retailer confidence to order a number that high for the second issue of the series and having the number two outperforming everything everything outside of eight other issues in the entire industry during a month of multiple shipping Star Wars and a zillion launches. Personally, I'm crushing gutted. Going off now to hang my head in shame. Unquote from Dan Slott. Yeah, and I'm sure half of that was in all caps. <laughs> J.R. Ashley, what do you think of him commenting on the this uh, stuff online? Just all the the 
you know, the form wars and the mm-hmm. passive aggressiveness. Oh my god, mm-hmm. I, I I don't know if I mentioned this on the previous podcast, but I I th- yeah I think I talked about it on the November one how I went back and you know read mm-hmm. through some of the uh you know slots old posts on the crawl space and that whole breakdown right there the following all the out. stuff with him and Wacker and everything and oh my god yeah I'm like these are these people are like a generation older than me it's just I was embarrassed for them like yeah uh what's wrong with these people JR what's your thoughts uh, we've We've had this discussion, I guess, on the show many yeah. times before, and mm-hmm. I don't really have anything new to say about it. I mean, it's uh, not all, prof- you know, not all professionals do this for whatever reason. He feels he has to comment on it. I mean, most, a lot of creators or people in the arts, you know, don't feel it's necessary to respond to everything said about it because they know they can't please everybody all the time. And it's it's uh, what else is there to say? I mean, really, who ca- I and yeah. I get to who cares what Dan Slott says? I don't care anymore. You know, yeah. I don't care. No, I, yeah. I, 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 I'm kind of in the same boat. I mean, I it's it's mm-hmm. we're at the point now where it's like we've we've had so many years of him talking, you know, just at the side of his ass, and now it's 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 like as bad as amazing, you know. Volume four is right now. I'm just kind of numb to it now. It's just what you expect from Sly, you know. Yeah. But what what I laughed at, I mean, what was so funny was this fluffer piece with this guy was just you know going down on Slot <laughs> and trying to talk Slot up like Slot's just the friendliest dude out there. And I'm like, dude, I, <laughs> no, stop, stop. I, I what advice would you have for him? Just to let his work talk for itself and just avoid. Starting fights with people that disagree with you? WW, you know, TDD. What would Tom DeFalco do? Uh, <laughs> just, just understand that there are going to be people who disagree with you and who don't like your stuff who are going to be nasty about it. But you know what? As long as you don't have to deal with them face to face, just let them. If, as long as they don't enter into your personal space, then. Yeah, and he's talked about the, the death threats he's had. And, and no one, and no that, one should get those. No, absolutely no not. I mean, but, but you know, you, it, it comes with the you know entering into the public domain. Yeah. Well, it, it's that, gonna that's happen. Un- that doesn't exactly. Sense. It's unacceptable, but, but you know. uh, he should be able to take criticism for his work, and I guess maybe he learn from he it can't or, even take people yeah. asking questions about the goddamn storyline yeah. because over at CBR. You know, he badmouths uh, Spectacular Mike. He badmouths yeah. other people over there. And all they're doing is speculating. Speculation yeah. on what's coming next is a cornerstone of, uh, of comic books. Yes. Or they're just saying, well, wait, that doesn't make sense, and they just want an explanation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, but that and, and, and fan, you know, fans theorizing about things. Like, like J.R. Imagine, back in the day, but J.R. and Brad and uh, – well, actually, you weren't around, but J.R. and Brad. Imagine back in the day, back when, back when Roger Stern and Tom DeFalco were just – well, Roger Stern was knocking it out of the park with the, with the Hobgoblin, mm-hmm. right? Now, imagine that Roger Stern or Tom DeFalco hears us talking about the Hobgoblin and asking questions. Well, who could it be? Could it be this guy? Could it be that guy? Maybe it's this guy. Maybe it's not a guy at all. Maybe it's that gal. And then they just walk over and just lace into us. Yeah. 
How dare you suggest it's this person? You really are dumb. You must come from Crawl Space. I mean, you must. What is that? I've seen him to this day get all bitchy about Mike, saying, oh, this one guy who always tries to predict what happens and the time gets it wrong. It's like, oh, my God, (laughs) someone tries to to speculate or go on, like, think what's going to happen next. Right. How dare this guy ask that? I'm going to tell you. How dare this guy try to connect dots? You know, it's funny. Uh, that reminds me of, um, I, I think it might have been during the uh, the Hobgoblin thing, because uh, mm-hmm. the letters pages were full of, you know, people guessing. And I mean, yeah. it, it was it was the Hobgoblin or it was the Jackal or it was something, but it was a really silly, silly, silly answer. You know, and the response from Marvel, whoever whoever wrote the letters pages, who told you? <laughs> you know, I mean, just, I, it's nice. I mean, exactly. I mean, it just, you know, who told you? You know, which which pretty well summed it up. You know, this is just this is fun. We're all having fun, and you know, we're not taking any of this too seriously. You know, and and that seems to be gone. That seems to be gone. I agree. All right, uh, last topic. Uh, let's let's start drinking. Get that flask out that you had. Uh, actually, <laughs> uh, Marvel <laughs> has teamed up with Absolute Vodka to produce a line of Marvel related vodka bottles. There's Hulk Vodka, there's Spider-Man Vodka, there's Thor Vodka, and unfortunately, there's Tony Stark Iron Man Vodka. And I put this up on my Facebook uh, this past month, and Danny Fingeroth, the former editor of Amazing Spider-Man and the Spider-Man titles of the 80s, he says, that's really unfortunate that they have Iron Man Vodka. (laughs) I thought that was really funny. But uh, uh, Marvel and Booze, have they ever teamed up before? I'm, I'm sure they have. Not, I don't, not that I'm aware of, but... I just think that's funny that Disney is licensing out Marvel uh, to alcohol. I think that's funny. What do you guys think of that? I hate to be self-righteous about this kind of stuff because, you know, we're the, the, the nation of the offended nowadays. But this is, this is pretty tacky. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't even think uh, Gene Simmons licenses Kiss for alcoholic products, you know. And, <laughs> and, and my brother, I mean, they, they license them for condoms, but... Uh, there was Kiss condoms. I think so. Oh, I'm pretty sure. I mean, oh, that's my, funny. my brother's a Kiss expert, but but I think he told me once that they don't they don't license alcohol or tobacco products. But it's kind of unfortunate. I I th- I don't think that that's right. To be honest, to license these characters to sell alcohol products, I really don't. It, what do you think? Oh, go ahead. No, I was about to say, and you're right. I mean, the whole the licensing an alcohol product with the image of of, of your one character who is a known alcoholic is <laughs> it, again. That's you really got to wonder who's who is a who's who's signing off on this stuff. Yeah, yeah. To, Can you imagine the Hulk drunk? Oh god, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> curious. Like, who's the intended? Like, who do they think is going to buy this? Who is this aimed towards? I'm wondering if it's they're kind of moving towards you know the the audience. You know, who's in their young twenties, like people who are either in college or recently graduated. Who, you know, yeah. grew up with you know the with the I don't know, like Let's, you know you had the X Men TV show from the nineties and the Spider Man from the nineties. Just all this nostalgia coming from the nineties, and you have that generation that you're kind of trying to. Would be a funny conversation piece. You take this to a party. Hey, I got Spider Man vodka. Who wants a shot? Yeah, but it's still yeah. absolute. Is it? Is that bad vodka? No, absolute's good. Absolute's good vodka. Okay. 
This would be funny on the shelf of my weird collectibles, I thought. How much does a bottle of vodka go for, George? Uh, it depends on how big it is. Uh, do they say how many milliliters? Um, let's look. Oh, the link on my front page does not work. Oh, nope, i got to skip an ad. Okay, hold on. Let's see. Oh, there's also Wolverine and Captain America vodka now. This Captain America. Can you <laughs> Captain America rush? Oh, I oh, there's Venom vodka. That kind of has nice uh, alliteration but there. Like, Venom but it vodka. tastes like licorice. <laughs> uh, let's see. You can you can just see Steve, you know, holding up the bottle, saying, "Who wants shots?" <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, I can't. I can't find where the where you can order it or how much vodka's in it. I don't know. Average bottle probably thirty thirty five bucks. Wow. Unless you want expensive. unless you want like a small. I mean, absolute. Now, I mean, if you got something cheap, it'd be no. I want the Spider Man vodka. Yeah. Then it, well, I mean, you're probably at that point you're paying for the for the absolute vodka, which is thirty thirty five bucks for just like a regular bottle. But then you're yeah. probably paying more just for the name. Wow. Like another, I don't know how much. Ten That's bucks, funny. fifteen bucks. Who knows. All right, that is a wrap. Final thoughts, Ashley. Uh, that that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's Sorry. all, folks. Final thoughts, Jr. Ah, humbug. All right, final thoughts, George. We are years, years probably away from having a readable Spider-Man. Years? You don't? You... <sighs> really? Yeah, I don't think this stuff with slots going to change anytime soon. Unless the sales drop. Well... That's the only way he's off the it, book. It's selling less. I mean, they're, they're going to have to start rebooting the book faster. We're going to go We're going to go from 14 issue or 16, however long volume 3 was, to the 12, to 8, to, you know, and then we're just going to get... Eventually, we're just going to print number ones. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's a fucking number one. Well, you saw the numbers are down for this reboot. Slot's defending the lower numbers, but, you know... <coughs> well, every, you know... Yeah, but I, but he's like, yeah, well, it's still a top ten book, and yada, yada, yada. Marvel doesn't care. Mar- Marvel doesn't have to pay any attention to this. They can just let Dan Slot go through his little notebooks or whatever and just write all his little fan fiction crap, and, you know... We're, we're, we're stuck with this crap for years. This is not gonna... And think about every volume that Slot's worked on now. He worked on Volume 2, then, you know, rebooted Volume 3, then rebooted Volume 4. It's just gotten progressively... And superior. Yeah. So superior was like the diamond in the rough. It was. And and renew your vows. He should have. He should have. And, and He should have... Dropped the mic. He should have dropped the mic after superior and just walked the F away. He should have come up with a better ending for Goblin Nation, because goddamn. <laughs> but, and then he should have just walked away. He, his run would be much better remembered then. But I, 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 this is this is bad. This is this is bad, bad Spider-Man stuff. Mm-hmm.